Okay, can we clap our hands for Jesus? Oh, come on, Action Church. Action Church. You can be seated. Awesome, awesome. What an honor it is to be right here at Action Church, which I have loved this church from day one, from the first day you started, and thank God for it. Of course, greet all those that are watching at one of our locations and those that are watching online or on demand during the week. I know I was on the website this week looking at some of the messages, of course, from Pastor Justin and some of the team, and what a great resource you have right there, being able to be online, being a part. Of course, we want you back here in church in uh, together, but if not, you're, we, we, we pray for you. Love you. Can we clap our hands for all those who are watching online, on demand, one of our locations? I love the name Action Church. You know, there's a lot of churches, you know, if it's like, you know, First Something of Greenville or like, you know, the Oaks Church. Not everybody can have that name, but everybody can have Action Church. That's like a name every church should have. And and so it's great to be here. I'm thankful for this house. And, and I love the vision that you have. I, I love the idea. You can see the vision. It's everywhere. It's on the website. It's in everything you do here when you take the pathway and begin to be a part of this family. Of course, when you take those next steps, you join the A-team or you're in one of the small groups, as, as Eddie talked about. Uh, one of the things you'll keep hearing is the vision and the heart of this house, the, the reason why uh, action was started, the reason why Pastor Justin and Pastor Stephanie came here to do this. And I love the idea that they we exist as a church uh, to reach people where they are, which is so important. Uh, aren't you glad that uh, that God's grace kind of helps you along the way? And I mean, I, I, was, I was in that situation. I was not raised in church, and I, I showed up at church didn't know anything uh, was, you know, it's not because we're like wicked people or, you know, full of the devil. We just, we just didn't know. I didn't go to church. And so I don't ever remember a time waking up on a Sunday morning and my family saying, get dressed, we're going to church. And we worked the weekends. And so I was grateful for a church that I showed up in like this that existed to reach people where they are, but don't leave them that way, but connect them to everything that God has for them in their life. And that is the heartbeat of this house. So if you've just joined us online or you just started coming to Action Church. I'm telling you right now, you're in a good space. You're with good people. They are the real deal. You want to get involved with a small group. You want to find that pathway. I don't think I'd be here today if I wouldn't have put myself on a pathway, on some next steps. If I wouldn't, I, I don't, I know I wouldn't be here today one for a small group. And so I'm grateful for a church that welcomes and says, come be a part of what's going on. Come be a part of the journey. And not only that, but, that, but you're in a generous church. I'm telling you, through all the different outreaches, I've seen you respond this year even greater. It's interesting where during 2020, a lot of churches, they held back. Uh, not Action Church, man. You were more released than you've ever did. You did more outreach. You gave more money away. You helped more hurting people. You helped more people during Christmas. I know during the Reach Week. You're just a generous people. Can we clap our hands just being able to be the hands and feet of Jesus? I just want to say thank you for that. I think these are days where we can got to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You help us plant churches. And so not only did you get started through our organization, but you're helping us plant other churches. We planted 925 churches in the last 20 years. Today we're planting three churches just a day. Think about where we're planting them. I want you to hear this. We're planting one in North Carolina. Uh, we're planting one in Washington State. And then we pl we're planting a church. So when you tithe and you give offerings and every time you go online to give like you 
you do and your giving today or your faithful uh, in your in your tithe and offering, a portion of that is going to start other churches. So, and we're also starting a church. They launched a church in Idaho. Y'all, y'all know those potato people need some Jesus now. And so that's all you. And so we get to say yes to couples who want to start new churches because you say yes in giving. So thank you so much for being faithful. I get to see some of the integrity of your finances here, the way that Pastor Justin and the team here steward your finances. You are truly making a difference. You're impacting eternity. So I want to say thank you on that. And I just love your pastors. They are the real deal. I've known Pastors Justin and Stephanie for a long time. I've seen how God has done great things in their life, in, in their family, and just who they are as individuals, but more importantly, who they are as leaders. They love God. Uh, they teach the Word of God. Boy, when you have, a, you have a gift from God when you have a couple like them who love God, love God's Word, integrity, stewardship, uh, love people, all kinds of people. And I can just tell you this, watching them leave this last year, uh, you've been given a gift from God from your pastors. And so can we clap our hands for our pastors and thank God for them. We love you guys. Y'all are the real deal. And, and uh, I just, I, Pastor Justin, I talk about every other week and not only are they leading here, but really across the nation as we plant churches. So many young couples are trying to figure this out. So we tell them, you come learn from Action Church. You come get it, be a part of this team and uh, and learn from this team here. Pastor Eddie, Joseph, and, and Dylan, I've known Kristen forever. So we feel like family here. I'm one of those guys who I make myself at home when I show up somewhere, whether you like it or not. And so I'm just that guy. I'll show up at your house. I will sit on your couch. I will use your toilet. I am not scared. And so uh, our family loves this family. Brought a picture of our family. I never communicate without showing a picture of the Rizzo's. And so that's our family. We're, we're Italians and Cajuns. So a lot of eating. A lot of noise going on in my life. And so that's our oldest daughter, McCall. She's married to this young man. She's an LSU football fan. He's an Alabama football fan. So they, they need marital counseling uh, often. Then that's my son, Dylan. He was in New York, but now is with us in Birmingham. That's our baby girl, Isabella. She's a sophomore in Alabama. That's my wife, Dylan. Uh, we've been married 33 years. Uh, she ain't playing. That's a strong woman. I, I married a strong woman. She will, she will make you a jambalaya, but if you roll up in her front yard and mess with her kids, she will fight you and go to jail. She is not afraid to go to jail. And so I love that girl, and she is a strong woman. And so we love this church. We feel like family. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn to the, the book of 1 Timothy. Timothy, there's two Tims in the New Testament. Maybe you're looking at it on your phone. You want to make a, a note or something. I want to talk for a few minutes on the idea of God-centered God-centered. Uh, let's all pray. Father, I, we just thank you for your presence, the worship, and all the things that are happening with kids right now across all the campuses and those that have joined us. Lord, speak to us today. We need you. We need you in our life. We need you in our families. We need you, Lord, as we've been prayed for. We need a breakthrough. So, Lord, I just pray you touch every heart. Let every person know that they matter to you, that, uh, Lord, you see what's happening in their world. Speak to us today. In a world that can be centered on so many things, sometimes our mind goes so many directions. Help us to be God-centered. Thank you for this church. Thank you for our pastors. Bless them. Thank you for their integrity. Thank you, Father, for their heart for people. Lord, we, we're just blessed to be a part of this house. 
So we love you, we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said a good amen. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and just wave at them and say, it's good to see you, good to see you. God bless you, God bless you. Come on, look at the other person that you're a second choice and tell them you could use a little church, my friend. My free, you know, it's been an interesting year. I know you've heard a lot about that through your pastors and the messages that they're teaching uh, right now, and we've all walked through things together. Um, I was flying over here yesterday, and I began to think about the difference of a year uh, in, in, in the last 10 to 11 months of the last year for, for some of us, and, and, and just how, how the takeaways of, of what we're learning together. We've been through pain. We've, we've walked through things. We've had many people lose loved ones, and things have changed in their life, and uh, just travel yesterday with a mask and different things, and the airports are different. Everything is, is so much different, of course. Uh, those things are happening. Quarantine, if you'd have told me two years ago, Ago, the word quarantine, I would not have been familiar with that. The testing, the different things going on. Uh, I attended a Zoom wedding, which was so different. I've never done anything like that. A Zoom wedding, uh, that was just interesting. I did. I, w- I was a part. I, got, I was honored the other day to be a part of a Zoom adoption, which was kind of cool. A family got to adopt a, a, a young child, a young baby, and brought him into a forever home, and got to see the judge kind of bless them. And I, we all celebrate. We crying on Zoom, not even there. You know, getting emotional, uh, just watching this incredible thing that took place for this family. We've, we've had ups, we've had downs. Uh, I know our family all ended up back at my house. I was an empty nester for three weeks. I mean, me and my wife were like, yeah, we about to be empty nester. Three weeks later, they all back home, and they were all like, we know how much you don't, y'all don't like being alone, so we want to all move back in. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. We were empty nesters for three weeks. Everybody's back at my house. And, you know, I learned how to grill. Uh, so being big, big grill master, at, sometimes we've done a lot of walking in our family. Uh, everyone's conscious of their health, of course, our finances, our jobs. Jobs are different. Church is different. So a lot of things have gone on. And, and I was processing this the last couple of days and, and looking at, at some scriptures. I get stuck in some scriptures, and I've been looking at 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. They're two of my favorite letters that Paul wrote uh, to his young apprentice, to his young leader leader that was trying to help people, trying to guide people, uh, trying to do life in a crazy time. And in this, I started thinking about life then, what Timothy was going through, what Paul was trying to encourage him with, thinking about the life that we now live that's different, that may never return back to some things, and some things are getting back to normal. And, and I, I wrote down in my journal that I believe, in my journal, I believe in the midst of all these things that even though it's been changed, there has been, that God has given us some opportunities that even now with everything happening in our nation and in our world, there is an opportunity to be re-centered and to be God-centered. That not everything that's going on has to get us off base or has to center us away from God. It can, but it doesn't have to. Lord, help me to be God-centered even more with what's happening in my world as a parent or as a husband or as a friend. I don't want to be less God-centered. I want to be more God-centered. And I wrote down a definition of what it means to be God-centered. It's putting God first. It's allowing all of your actions and your activities and your attitudes uh, to flow from the premise of that God is priority and that my priorities need to be God's priorities, that, that the priorities of God are my priorities, and, and I want to live that way leaning into God's grace. Because I don't want it to be the opposite. I, I don't want to do the opposite of, of God-centered, which is, is now all of my actions and activities and attitudes are flowing, are flowing from a place where it's, it's me, myself, and I. 
that now I'm self-centered. And if we're not careful, when we go through a storm, we go through a situation, we go through a season that we don't enjoy or sometimes a season that we do enjoy, if we're not careful, we become self-centered and not God-centered. And I believe we are living in days where we, the, the, this world and our family and those around us, they need us to be more God-centered than self-centered. Can somebody give me a better amen? That's just the world that we live in. It's the battle that we all face. And, and I love that that's what I believe Paul was teaching Timothy. Now, when you read First and Second Timothy, remember, these are the last two letters that Paul writes. After he writes Second Timothy, he will be martyred. I, I got to spend uh, uh, six years in Italy training pastors. And uh, I know it was suffering. It was rough. And it's like... I'll go, Lord, yes, I will go. And so I, I get to train pastors, and twice a year I'd go to Italy and train pastors, and, and so we would go see the Colosseum, we'd go to the Roman Forum and eat a lot and you know hang out a lot. But one year I just said, hey, I was there by myself with just a group of pastors. I said, listen, is there any way I could go to Paul's prison? I wanna go where Paul wrote much of the New Testament from this prison cell in Rome. And so we, everybody knows an Italian knows another Italian who knows another Italian. Next thing I know, late at night, we go to Mamertine Prison, which is right outside the Roman Forum, and uh, we go down into the bottom of the prison and go down another level where tourists don't even go, and, 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 and we go into this area, and we're in this little, like, little hole in the, in the ground, hewn out of the rock, and it's small, and it's tight, and, and the, 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 the tour guide, the security guard, says, uh, this is Paul's prison. This is where Paul wrote the Bible. This is where he was inspired by God. God Almighty spoke to him and gave us much of the scripture that we have in the New Testament, these epistles. And I, and I was overcome by the idea that right here in this, this is it. And so I asked the, 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 my friend, I said, do you mind giving me a, a few minutes and let me read some scripture? I brought my Bible with me. And I'll never forget the privilege. And, and it was almost, almost like a holy moment for me where I got to read First and Second Timothy where Paul wrote it. And there was something about those words, knowing that as he was there chained up, that he, did, he knew that in, in any moment he would give his life for the gospel. So when I read them, I always read them with that intensity. And I love how he ends 1 Timothy, and he's trying to help Paul. Paul's trying to help Timothy get life, get life centered correctly, uh, not miss life, not, not miss the life that God intended. And he wraps up the letter the most interesting way. It's 1 Timothy 6, and I'll read three scriptures to you, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. I think that's interesting that this is the subject he needs to cover, uh, knowing that he may not write many more words. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, and not to put their hope in wealth. See, Paul knows that this present world is not the only world there is. And he knows that you gotta be careful that when you're blessed and when you've been fortunate like most people in this room would be considered the, the pain of the world. Uh, we don't have everything that we need and there are many people that are suffering, of course, but, but when you look at the plight of the world, how many knows there's always somebody less fortunate? Can I have a good Amen. One of the greatest awareness in life is when you realize there is someone else that is even struggling at a poverty level, even below me. And you have an awareness of that. And, and Paul is saying, he says, don't put your hope in wealth because it's uncertain. 
but put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Oh, nothing wrong with being blessed. Nothing wrong with having things. Nothing wrong with having a hair dryer. Nothing wrong with having a, a, you know, a microwave. And nothing wrong with having a fishing rod. Oh, thank God for all those things. Nothing wrong with having any stuff. But how many knows the problem is when this stuff has us? And he says, so don't let stuff get you. Make sure you remember what it's for. And make sure you remember that this is not the only world we live in. And he goes on to say to Timothy, as he's leading people, as he's trying to figure some things out, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. I love verse 19. In this way, not another way, they will lay up, for, lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So he's saying, be careful not to center your life on this, this present world, not to center your life on temporary things, not to center your life on just the here and now and the me, myself, and I. Be careful not to do that because if you put your hope in those things, you're going to be disappointed because you want to lay up a treasure for yourself for the coming world, for the coming age. And in and, and, and this way, he says, in this way, not some other way, but in in this way, they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Not that fake life. Not that life that promises a lot and delivers little. Come on, somebody. But you, you, he, and, and so Paul is helping Timothy to be centered on a life that will deliver much. And not only will it deliver much into your life and into your home and into your world and into your mind and into your kids and into your situation, but then it will deliver much for others. That when you're God-centered, then from being God-centered, then other people are going to be blessed. But if you're not God-centered, then you're just living an empty life. And Paul wants Timothy to get that. Because that tells me that if I'm not careful, I could be centered on other things. How many knows everybody's centered on something? Everybody's centered on something. I don't know what it is. Sometimes we're centered around our problems. Sometimes we're centered around our issues. Sometimes our life is centered around the pain and the struggle or or our person or a relationship or, or the lack of something or, or, or the success of something. And Paul is wanting to make sure that Timothy, as he leads, is God-centered. You know, I love uh, the, the stage that I'm at in my life right now. I'm 56. I love being 56. Um, somebody stopped me the other day when I was talking about my age. And they, they in, in, in an audience, it was a little small men's gathering that I was doing. And, and, and the guy said, don't worry about it. And I was like, okay, great, thank you. It's kind of like, okay, you're heckling me. And so uh, he's like, don't worry about it. 56 is the new 36. No, it's not. <laughs> you're wrong, my brother. 56 is 56 Get over it. 15 the new 30, 50, 50. And, but I love being 56 years old. I love the stage that I'm in. I love the season that I'm in in my life because you go to bed when you want. When you're old, you go to bed when you want. And you can say what you want. And people, give, people make excuses over it. So you can go to bed early when he's old, glory to God. And, and then you say something crazy when he's old. Sometimes I'll go to bed early and say something crazy all at the same time. And so I enjoy myself. So I love being my age. And so one of the things that happens now is sometimes I'm the oldest guy in the room when you get to do some stuff. And I know Pastor Jess and I, we do things together, conferences, and we talk to pastors. And, and, and I've, I've, I've transitioned over. I'm on the panels now. 
I'm on that panel circuit. I'm like, what's up? Where the panel at? About to go up in the panel. So they always want an old guy on the panel. So I'm like Obi-Wan. I'm like Gandalf. I'm like, you know, where's Obi-Wan? Let's get him on the panel because he's 100 years old. And he planted a church, came over on the Mayflower, planted a church 300 years ago and on horse and wagon it is so I'm that guy now but I enjoy I embrace it and you get asked a lot of questions the other day I was asked a question it threw me off I kind of I kind of faked the answer but I went back to the hotel I dug into this question here's the question a guy asked me he said can you name the three greatest decisions you've ever made I was like whoa you're coming at me strong it's like 9 30 in the morning I mean my best decision, you know, I need to get some coffee right now. And so, um, and, I, I, and, I, and when someone asks you a question like that, you begin to think about great decisions, but you also begin to think about bad decisions. I made some bad, I made bad decisions. I made decisions I wish I'd have never made. I made decisions that five minutes later, I wish I wouldn't have made that decision. I've made, deci- I've made decisions that have impacted people negative. I've, I've made a decision that, that, was, that, were, that was not God-centered. I'm, I made a few decisions from being me-centered. And, and you know, it's, I, I, wrote, I, I went back and I wrote down three things. The first greatest decision I ever made was when I said yes to Jesus Christ. When I made a decision June the 21st, 1982, to, and, said, and it was due to a church that did an outreach. So I thank God for a reach week. I thank God for what you did at Christmas. I thank God for how you feed the homeless and you go into the community. You let people know that they matter, that you see them. You see them. They're not invisible. They matter. And so I got impacted because the church did an outreach like this church. And so uh, when I made a decision to say yes to Jesus, second greatest decision I made was when I asked Dylan to marry me, who you do life with, whether you're single or single again, or you've been through a, a divorce, whatever your situation is, your life partner is very important. Who you do marriage with and, and covenant relationship, all that is huge. It impacts everything. And I fell in love with my wife when she was in life with me. That's not a good move, my friend. So, hey, girl, girl, I love you. Right here, right here, right here, right now. I love you. Come again. And I didn't forget the first time I told Delenn I love you, she said, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, I mean, but thank, look, about six months later, what's up, girl? You see all this? You see all this? She finally, her, her eyes were open to the total package. And, come on, she saw Ric Flair in all her glory. Woo, baby. And she said yes to the dress. Yeah, boy. And we got married. And, um, I mean, so, so important who you do life with. It's huge. Uh, third best decision I ever made is when my, I made a decision at 19, 20 years old that I'm going to give my life away for the cause of Jesus Christ and to do my best to be God-centered, and I'm going to do it through the local church. Oh, it has impacted so many things in my life. But I made a decision that I'm going to plant myself, and I'm going to serve, and I'm going to give, and I'm going to be a part of the local church. I'm going to get in the family of God. I'm not just going to be a consumer. I'm not just going to shop, but I'm going to be a contributor. I'm going to support. I'm going to serve, and I'm going to give my life for the cause of Jesus Christ through the local church. And I'm going to live a God-centered life to the best of my ability. 
with God's grace all around me and the mercy of God and the forgiveness of Jesus, but I'm not giving up and I'm not walking out and I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to hang in there to be God-centered. You know, I thought about that. I have no regrets over that. I have no sorrow. I have no disappointment. Has there been rough days? Has, has it always been perfect? No, it's not. But I can tell you this. I don't regret one hour that I have served in God's kingdom. I don't regret one moment, one evening, one morning. I don't regret one prayer. I don't regret one dollar that I've given through tithe and offering to the kingdom of God. Hey, do I have some other regrets the way I've spent my money? Oh, yeah. Oh, we were cleaning out our closets the other day and after Christmas and my daughter brought down her stuff from the closet and I just started looking through it before I brought it over to our dream center and going bless some people and, you know, going to help somebody. And I, I started noticing and as she was bringing down some more clothes and some shoes, some of them still had tags on them. I was like, baby, some tags on these clothes. You never wore them. And I started looking at the price tag on them tags. Oh, God. And she, I was, and she brought down some more. I was like, Bella, what are the tags? You know, we, we, we bought those for you. Matter of fact, I think a couple of them, we bought them for Christmas like two years before. And, and, and she's looking at me, and I'm looking at the tags, and I'm like, oh. And she finally just says, well, Dad, that's just going to bless people so much more. <laughs> You got me, girl. You got me. I mean, it's just, I mean, I have regrets over some other things. I've got some regrets over some quick decisions and maybe some connecting over this and wanting this and buying this and investing in this. But I have no regrets in these years of giving myself and of serving I don't regret any tithe. I don't regret any offering. I, I don't regret any of the time that I've given. I, I don't regret any sacrifice or any invites or any times that I've prayed for my pastor or gotten around the kingdom of God or served in a small group. I do regret some other things, but I don't regret ever being God-centered. But boy, do I have some regrets and have some disappointment over being Dino-centered because sometimes Dino loves to do what Dino wants to do. Some days I get him and say, Dino, what you want to do? Man, that's a great idea. Oh, Dino, you, Dino, buy you that. Oh, Dino, go do that. It is a daily learning experience to say, hey, I need to be God-centered in the world that we're living in. I, I wrote down a few things because uh, we've got to get some help on this. It's just easy to drift into me, myself, and I. How many knows it's easy to move into uh, to Meville? Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's so easy to move, move into Meville. I had a first pastor who, he, he was a great pastor, and he confronted me when I was young. And, you know, I, I just thought I was, gift to, I was God's gift to church and God's gift to this little tiny church who we went to, a small church, just a handful of people. He was a long-winded preacher, angry preacher, confronting preacher. i never seen anything like that. I mean, he'd preach a whole series on Sunday. I mean, the whole series preach forever and he, angry preacher I don't know if you've been around an angry preacher before I don't even be around something let me tell you something right now like, like you want to fight me right this thing if you don't like it don't let the back door hit you in the back side there's five people waiting on your seat gone and leave I'd be like can we invite them in here because ain't nobody up in here because ain't nobody up in here 
He was a confronter, and he confronted me on giving. He confronted me on serving. He confronted me when I was just tipping God, and I was not giving to God. He confronted me on, on, on not being committed in certain areas and not serving. And, and I, I look back, and it, there were days that it was uncomfortable, and there were days that he confronted me in, some of my, in front of some of my friends. He didn't believe in counseling. He believed in dealing with everything in the foyer of the church. And, and he didn't have no inside voice. He only had an outside voice. So if he was talking to you about something private, it wasn't private long. Everybody in the four years like, yeah, he's talking to Dino about tithing. He's talking to Dino about serving. He was late. And I look back now at, at my age, and, and it wasn't comfortable. But I thank God for a man who was willing to get me God-centered. I thank God for a man who just said, hey, don't be so self-centered. Don't be so me, myself, and I-centered. Be God-centered, and then watch what he'll do in your life. So these are days that we have to check ourselves. Lord, am I being God-centered? How am I seeing this? How am I managing this? How am I weighing this? How am I filtering this? How am I processing this in my life with my family as a single mom or a blended family? How am I, how am I seeing these things, Lord? Help me to see clearly. So I, I, so I wrote down three ways to stay centered. So I want to give you some application, three ways to stay centered. Here's the first one. I'm, I'm hoping this is going to help. Here's the first one is make your Bible the, your playbook. Just make your Bible the playbook. I, you know, there, there, there's so many things that, there's so many feelings and so many emotions, so many uh, passions and so many desires and so many appetites in this world, so many opinions, so many ideas. There comes a time in your life where you have to decide this book and, and what and is God's word. And it's God's word for my life. It's my playbook, it's my manual. It's my guidebook for life. And everything will be filtered through this. And, and I think there comes a moment in life, and I think we're living in a day and age today, where you have to decide this is divine authority over my life. And even though I may not feel it, and even though I may not understand it, and even though I may not completely gather everything that it's saying to me, I'm going to let it be my ultimate divine authority. It is God's word for my life, whether I understand it at times or not. And, and I just, I just, I made that decision. Lord, help me to, that this Bible is, is, is your playbook. When I came to Bible college, my first semester, uh, I took a, a Bible 101 class. And boy, I was excited. I, I, I thought, man, I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to do some preaching. and We're going to study the Greek and the Hebrew. Man, I'm going to dive into some scriptures. And, and my professor taught us one verse for the whole semester. And I remember at first thinking, that's all, he, that's all you got? That's all you got? Because I'm like a spiritual giant. And I've, I, you know, I've read like three books of the Bible. I mean, I'm, I've been a Christian for 16 months. I mean, I'm... I'm pretty much a scholar. And I remember he was like, We're, I'm going to teach you one verse for, for all the whole semester. Then we did two other verses the next semester. Little did I know the vastness of God's word, the power in one verse, the power in one truth that could sustain our whole life. 
And, and I, you know, what I learned and leaning into Scripture, and, and the truth of the matter was, was the first verse was all about divine authority. And what I realized that my professor was doing that I look back now and understand is that if I didn't take this as the base and the playbook and, and the manual, if I didn't accept this as divine authority, then everything else would be off base. Before you preach and before you pastor and before you lead, you got to get this as the Word of God and make that decision. I want to encourage you for you and I to get our life centered and to be centered on something. Make the Bible your playbook. and You, you want to make sure it's your foundation, boy. The world is, is shaking and it's, it's our foundation. Here's the second thing. Uh, that I want to give you to stay centered is uh, let generosity be your go-to. When in doubt, bless somebody. When in doubt, forgive somebody. Uh, when in doubt, help somebody. When in doubt, be a blessing. The other day, we were, uh, my wife and I, my son, we had gone to look at something. We were, we were in a part of town I didn't know real well. And, and, uh, and I went by and there was a, a person there that you could tell was, was going through some things and had some challenges. When we were stopped somewhere and I was pulling out, well, I felt like the Holy Spirit just said, you need to go back and bless him. You, you know, it's easy to bless somebody when it's convenient. It's just right there. I'm already pulled out on the road, Pastor Eddie. I'm already leaving. And it was like the Holy Spirit just wouldn't leave, wouldn't leave me alone. Said, you just, you going to turn around? <sighs> really, Lord? You going to need me to turn around? I mean, there's some traffic. I don't know if you know where I'm at on the highway. <laughs> you know, I'm on the highway now. I'm going to have to turn around. He wouldn't leave me alone. Wouldn't leave me alone. Four or five miles later, I turned around. My wife's like, where are you going? Just got to go take care of something. My son's like, where are we going? Just got to go take care of something. I pulled back around, had a little moment with this individual, and asked his name. We had an exchange, and, you know, and I, I blessed him and, and, you know, was generous. And I got in the car, and I left, and, and I, I began to think about that person. I began to think, about, okay, I wonder what he's going to do now. What is he going to do with that little blessing? And what is he going to do? And what is he going to do? And, and I wonder how he's going to take this. And I'm, I'm, get, I'm, I'm going, because I, I done turned around. Because I'm like eight minutes behind schedule now. It's a big deal. And as, as sure as I'm driving, I just felt like God impressed on my heart and said, that generosity was not about him. That generosity was about you. So, so don't quit worrying about what he's going to do with the $5, and let's worry about what you're going to do with your next $5. How many know sometimes, the, sometimes we give a gift and we think the giving of the gift is the gift. Sometimes the opportunity to give is now your gift. And what you thought was the gift is not the gift. What was the real gift was you given an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody. And what you learned from it. And in that moment, I'm I'm to encourage you today. There, genero let generosity be your go-to, because there is a freedom you find in generosity that you will never find in me, myself, and I. You are God-centered, Lord. This is not about me. This is about you. And Lord, help me to learn. Help me to receive. And then the last thing that I want to encourage you with to be centered is always keep Jesus first. Always keep Jesus first. Just Jesus first. In every, it's amazing how God 
And the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these other things sort out. There was a time as a church when we started our church in Louisiana, we were just so small and didn't have a lot to do. And so I started doing outreach and some decisions made in our community where we, a lot of people couldn't get married anymore in a church unless they were a member of a church. And so we had a little small church and uh, I started marrying people for free. I mean, I, just, I was the wedding guy. I was just doing weddings and having them at our church and bless people and, and people would call. And, 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 I, and I started realizing, hey, I'll marry you, but you'd, you got to come sit with me for a couple hours. I've been married myself about three years, so I have a lot to teach about weddings and marriage. You know, I'd sit down with a couple and say, hey, let me, I do five minutes on marriage, two hours on get saved. And so the five minutes would be like, hey, man, just tell her you're sorry and you're wrong. I mean, that, uh, that's what I'm learning. I've been married 36 months, and I just do that a lot. And then, and then I would dive into, hey, unless you become born again, Jesus Christ loves you. And here's what was happening. Our little small church, more people were coming to Christ in that marriage counseling than they were on Sunday mornings. And so we started doing it more and more. I was marrying three or four people a week. And, and uh, so a, guy, a lady called Delenn and said, my daughter's getting married. Nobody wants to marry her. You're the last ones we're going to call. And Delenn called her, ended up saying yes. Next day, they walk in the house. They're getting married because he's got to go take care of some things with the football. Found out he's a football player. She walks in, friends with Delenn. He walks in behind her, huge guy, 6'6", six, six, Hawaiian, sweating like crazy. We sit down. He never sat down. He just squatted. He was just... I talked to him about Jesus and Mary. Get to the end. Would you like to receive Christ? He said, nope. I said, really? I said, I talked to him some more. He said, don't want anything to do with Jesus. Don't want a thing to do with Jesus. No to Jesus. And he looked at me. He said, are you still going to marry me, preacher boy? A man that big call you boy? You know what you say? Yes, of course. Thank you. Thank you very much. He gets, we, we do the wedding. He signs it, goes to play football. He's playing at LSU, he's playing for Seattle. Two, three years later, some things happened in his life. Loses his brother, not really sure about football. Uh, on a Sunday morning, uh, I'm preaching. I look up and I see some shadow in the back of the auditorium, like there was a ladder, or like you know, does someone let like a, a man lift in? And so, and, I'm, and in our small church, I'm given an invitation at the end, come to Christ. I look up and it's Kevin. He's standing right there. It's huge. It's like in front of the cameras or lights. I can't see him like being eclipsed. And he's just like, he said, hey, come here. Just walks to the front. Come here. So when a man that big says, come here, you do that. You finish it. God bless y'all. Y'all were dismissed. And God bless everyone. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We go around the corner. We talk for a minute. He tells me his struggle. He tells me this and that. He says, uh, I, I put Jesus last. I think I need to put him first. I said, yeah. He receives Christ, miraculously cries. We're hugging in this Sunday school room. He's about to kill me. I'm crying. He goes on to play some football. He, God does a great work in his life. Plays for the Jets for about 10 years. I think there's a picture of him playing for the Jets. Uh, last summer, uh, two summers ago, he invites me to the Hall of Fame induction. He gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. I'll never forget being there, watching him get inducted into the Hall of Fame. The whole world's watching. Everyone's doing their speech. He gets up to give a speech. And before he says anything, he says, first, I'll never forget the words he said, first and foremost, let me give all glory and honor 
to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And all I thought about was, I remember when Jesus was last, but now he's first. My, my, my. It's amazing how when God becomes centered of your life, he will sort through the other things. Can I have a good amen? Let's bow our heads, let's pray. Father, pray for every person today. Maybe there's someone here today and just one moment our, our team is gonna come and give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. But maybe you feel like, and Jesus is like last or like 10th or like second. My life is not God-centered. All across this room, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to invite Jesus into your heart and then they'll help you take a next step. But right now, if you say, Dino, can you pray for me? Because I just feel far from God. I feel far from God. If that's you, I'm not gonna embarrass you. Have you come forward or have you stand up? But I would like to connect with you. Just one more moment, if that's you. Can say, Dino, pray for you. Can you slip up your hand all across church life? Just, I just feel far from God. I wanna, my life needs to be God-centered. I need Jesus first in my life. Can we all pray this prayer together? Just pray it from our hearts. Say, dear Jesus, I invite you into my heart. Especially if you raise your hand and say these prayers. I believe that you died and that you rose again. So I confess you as my Savior. Thank you for a new beginning and thank you for a fresh start. Be my Lord be my everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we clap our hands for all those who made a decision today?